0: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom, I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, there's a lot going on in the world, and of course we know the Kingdom of God is not a part of the world, but almost nobody knows what that means. (laughs) It's amazing how people are so deceived, uh, even though they read the Bible, and much of that is because they don't know the meaning of the words that were originally written in the Bible, and that we have now translated into hundreds of different languages. And uh, that should be easily deciphered and figured out, because we have original languages. uh, We have what those words meant at that time. And you all have, uh, all the people who think they're Christians, they have ministers, and those ministers should be well-versed in the meaning of those words, in the meaning of the scriptures. And, of course, all the people that uh, are reading the Bible can look these words up. They have concordances everywhere. You have online concordances that are for free. And even though there is a problem with some of those, and certainly a problem with some of the translations of the Bible, the, the idea that you cannot find out what those words actually meant uh is just simply not true. You can find out what those words actually meant. You know, like the word exousia that we see in Romans 13 that is sometimes translated power and sometimes translated authority and sometimes translated government. It depends on what Bible you're looking at. You'll see all kinds of different translations for the word. But there is an actual definition of the word, and that definition is the right to choose. That's what the word means. It means the right or the power, your personal power to make a choice. And without that power of choice, you become a person or a thing, an instrument, you know, rather than an individual soul seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That was one of the first things that John the Baptist talked about was that we were to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and uh, it's not the first thing he talked about. But it's one of the first things he talked about. The first thing he talked about was to repent. Now, repent, that's a word that most people don't understand the meaning of. And you can look these things up in your concordances. You can look them up sometimes in dictionaries. Uh Why you would look it up in a, record, uh, in a, in a concordance is because of the fact that they're dealing with the definition of the word in the original language and if you just look up repent in one dictionary I don't know what they would say or google it you might get some definitions that are not in accordance with the original meaning of the word when it was used by people like John the Baptist who said repent and seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And so it's not just self-righteousness. Which is what a lot of people seek. As they want to prove their right. Uh, seeking the righteousness of God. Is seeking the righteousness of truth. Like I say many times. I have an opinion of what is true. You have an opinion of what is true. Uh, Trump has an opinion of what is true. Uh, Biden has an opinion of what is true. But by the nature of whatever God is, God's opinion of what is true is what is true. He is the God of what is true. Now, you can read about God and form an opinion, and that's what you do when you read the Bible. Now, you might have the help of the Holy Spirit when you do this, which is then we have to discuss what we mean by the word Holy Spirit. But when they talk about the God, the Father, and God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, so all those things, whatever they are, however you define them in your mind, they all should be pretty much the same thing. They should certainly be in an agreement. So if you tapped into the Holy Spirit somehow, however you would do that, and, you know, I have an opinion as to how you would do that, I also have an opinion about how you would cut yourself off from the Holy Spirit. But God knows how you connect with the Holy Spirit. And of course, one of the things it says in the Bible is the Holy Spirit listeth where it will. So it's not about you, you know, finding the plug socket and plugging into the Holy Spirit. It's kind of about the Holy Spirit entering into you. And of course, there's stories in the Bible about the Holy Spirit ascending... Uh, you know, upon Jesus in the form of a dove, or or looked like a dove. Uh, now we can picture an actual dove there, or maybe you could picture something that reminds you of a dove, so it looks like a dove. It's similar to a dove. And of course, we hear about the apostles where the Holy Spirit supposedly ascended upon them, and they saw these tongues of fire over the head of the Holy Spirit, uh, over the head of the apostles, which is supposed to represent the Holy Spirit. And anyway, we used to have, well, we have wild doves, sort of a dove out here. It's actually a foreign bird that some people call a dove because it looks a lot like a dove. But it flies a lot like a dove. And when a dove comes down to land, it's flapping its wings, flickering its wings. And if there's sunlight on it, it will kind of flicker as it comes down. And, of course, these tongues of flames, flames flicker. You know, like a candle, if it's in a still room, it may not flicker much. But if there's any kind of air movement, the flame would flicker. So maybe that's what they're talking about. But that's an opinion. I'm drawing a picture as I think about what these things are saying. So maybe the thing that out there that appeared as a dove didn't look exactly like a dove, but as this flame flickering like the wings of a dove as it comes down. But again, that's my opinion of what that might mean. It maybe didn't actually, it, it, when somebody would look at this flickering light that's coming down over Jesus' head, they might say, well, that looks like a dove. Or when they first look at it, they're looking at it and like, what is that? And they say, well, that, that kind of looks like a, the, what you see when a dove is coming down, you know, so that may be all their meaning is that something appeared like a dove and came down over Jesus Christ's head when he was baptized and came up out of the water. And he was baptized by John. But then, now we've got the idea of baptism in that story. And we think, you know, if I say the word baptism, you think of somebody maybe in a pool at your church being dunked down by the minister and holding his nose and he comes back up and they say oh well he was baptized and maybe that's one definition of the word but then they talk about a baptism that Jesus is bringing that is like a baptism of fire so do we have to have people running across hot coals or <laughs> jumping into a fire and coming back out or i mean how do we imagine these things to be well these are our opinions But whatever is meant by these scriptures, if they are of God, and I have an opinion that they are, I have a belief that they are, the opinion of God concerning these scriptures is the truth. But my opinion may be the truth, it may be in conformity with the opinion of God, or it may not be. And you have an opinion, and your opinion may be in conformity with God, or it may not be. If you say what you say is true, and it's not in conformity with God, then what you say is a lie. Now you may not be a liar, you may be just deceived, but what you're saying is a lie. And there's a lot of lies out there. <laughs> And then, of course, you might misunderstand what I say. And what I say might be in conformity with Christ, and in conformity with the Holy Spirit, and in conformity with God. And you misunderstand what I say, and so therefore you will think I am a liar. But that's your opinion again. <laughs> so, we're constantly battling between finding the truth and just having an opinion about the truth. And of course we know that one of the things we're supposed to do, or at least it says something about this in the Bible, that we're supposed to believe. And they ask the question, are you a believer? And how do you know somebody is a believer? How do you know that you are a believer? I mean, you have an opinion that you're a believer. You think you're a believer. But how do you know you're a believer? Is there a way to check? Well, of course, one way is to check with the scriptures and see what the scripture says a believer does and what a believer looks like. You know, do you love Jesus? Well, that's an opinion that you love Jesus. You may love Jesus, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're deceived. Maybe you, maybe you love an idea about Jesus that isn't true. So, you know, the mind can be deceptive. But the truth is the truth. There isn't your truth, my truth. There's your opinion and my opinion. But it isn't necessarily the truth. If we're going to define the truth as what is. And of course, that's one of the ways in which they define God. He is that he is. He is the one that is. Yahweh. I am that I am. Using Am meaning the word is. He is what he is. And if God is a reality, then God is truth. And of course, Jesus says, I am the truth. And by no other, meaning the truth, can you be saved. You, you have to have the truth to be saved. And sometimes that means setting down your opinion. Because your opinion is actually not in conformity with the truth. I mean, you may have been looking for the truth when you formed your opinion, but maybe somebody else deceived you, or maybe you got wrong information, and it sounded pretty good, and you were really anxious to know the truth, and so you accepted something that just ain't so. And so now you have to set down what you thought was true so that you can pick up what is true so in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness we have to set down we probably you know I don't know where you're starting at but you probably have to set down more than you have to pick up (laughs) you know because chances are you've been deceived and, and Jesus warns about us being deceived and In ancient times, the prophets warned about us being deceived. And and the whole world would be deceived. Even the elect would be deceived, whoever they are. Which I have an opinion about that as well. I'm sure you have an opinion about that. But whoever the elect is, God's opinion as to who the elect is, that's the truth. And so we should always be questioning our opinions... Because we know that we could be very vulnerable to deception, deceit. Deceit is everywhere. And so, you know, this morning I, I got up and I was thinking about a lot of things that I might talk about. And a lot of ideas occurred to me. And I thought about coming in here and looking up the scriptures and, and putting down all the scriptures that... uh I could reference that I, that I could read them accurately and not just depend upon my feeble memory. I'm, I'm a year older today <laughs> according to, to the chronology of my, uh, uh, of my life. And, uh, but, uh, the truth is really old. And that's what I'm trying to uh, impart to people is what my opinion of the truth is. And I welcome people who have a different opinion want to talk and and suggest that maybe what some of my opinions are incorrect because if you think i'm wrong i want you and, and nature calls for you and god calls for you to let me know that i'm wrong but uh, i don't know i can't find too many people who will debate i i can find a lot of people in in, in hiding that might disagree with me but they if if they do disagree with me, they should be able to speak up and hold their position. That's just one of the things about the kingdom of God. As I say, in the kingdom of God, there is freedom of speech. You get to have your opinion. You get to voice your opinion. You get to share your opinion with others. And that's important because that's iron sharpening iron. That that conflict of thought allows us to walk around not only the elephant in the room but around ourselves because other people see us from outside. And they say, well, you say you believe but you're not doing what Christ said. So, what do you believe in? You believe in what you think Christ said but do you really believe in what Christ said? And so, this is why People should gather together is not because they are all in agreement, but that they may come into agreement by coming into one accord. And one of the things that allows that to take place, you have to have something else. You know, you don't want to go to congregational meetings and assemblies, free assemblies, and just argue all the time. So you have to have something else that binds you to this little group, this little free assembly, other than what you think is true. You have to be bound by these invisible bonds of trust and loyalty and love and these things that Christ also talked about. That's what binds you in a free assembly so that you can have the conversation about your opinion. And listen to the opinions of others. And ponder and pray about these things. But the answer is not going to necessarily come from others. I don't teach you anything. I talk about a lot of things, but I don't really teach you anything because I want you to be taught by that Holy Spirit that that is the filter for the truth. And... As you begin to see the truth, it should be in conformity to the Holy Scriptures. But all Scripture is of God, it says. And the word there they have for Scripture is all writings are of God. So you can read all kinds of things. And with the Holy Spirit, you can know what to set down and not pick up and say, Well, that's I reject that idea. It doesn't make sense to me something in me tells me that's not true. But then I read, you know, because I, I read all kinds of people's opinions. I read a lot of the uh, commentaries about the Bible and there's there's stacks of commentaries about what people think the Bible means. And I read those. And I was taught things in the seminary, you know, whatever that was, 60 years ago, that... Uh, this was true and that was true and and I talk to people, you know, from all over the world about what they think is true. And I hear it, but I want to weigh it against the Holy Spirit and not weigh it against what I think is true. Because I also carry around what I have the conclusions of what I think is true. I carry those around with me all the time. And I have found over the years that some of those things that I thought were true, that I thought were a part of the truth of the gospel, I had to set them down. Because they didn't measure up to what Christ actually said. But what the final consultant in what I believe always has to be the Holy Spirit. That I hope is dwelling in me. I hope I can make a place in me for that Holy Spirit to dwell in me, but again, it listeth where it wills. I can't make it remain in me. It's not a genie in a bottle it's it's what you so that's constantly you wonder should I do this Should I do that and it it goes over into everyday work uh. You know, like uh, can the Holy Spirit tell you where to drill a well? Can the Holy Spirit tell you you know what what verse to look up in the Bible and when you look up that verse and you're reading that verse and you're saying, "Well, what does that word mean?" and you wonder why why did you pick out that word to ask what does that mean and uh and you have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, well, look here, look here, look here, look here. And it's showing you the way to understand these things. Now, everybody doesn't have to do all this looking up. Because the way isn't about looking up words. And, you know, uh, the the study to show thyself approved. The word there, study. Again, We, I looked it up. Because when I read it, I thought, like, does that really mean study? And I looked it up and found out that that word in the Greek... Is never translated study anywhere that I can find. Anywhere else except for that one verse they translated study. It's actually the Greek word for be diligent to show thy self approved Which is actually in conformity with Christ. Christ didn't say, you know, those who say Lord, Lord are the ones who are saved. He says not those who say you know, the right words, the you know, the magic words or whatever words you think you have to say. He said, it's the doers of the word. You know, if if you love me, but don't keep my commandments, then you don't really love me. I mean, that's expressed in John. It's actually expressed in Paul. And, you know, and Paul talks about not... You know, he talks about being a doer of the word, but he also talks it's not by works. And so people say, well, we don't have... It, it's not by works, so it's not what we do that is key here. Well, it's what you do that tells you whether or not you actually love Christ. Because if you're doing contrary to Christ, then you don't really love Him. Because they tell you that in the book. See, if you start picking and choosing, and then you apply that it's not by works, Paul's talking about... The works of the Pharisees. That and Paul says, if you don't have love, you got nothing. If you don't have this charity, again, same word for charity is the same word for love. If you don't have that, then you got nothing. And so, what is that charity? I mean, let's go back to John the Baptist. That's where we started. Repent and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, John the Baptist's gospel was, I mean, that kind of sums up John the Baptist's gospel. You know, and and then he said, and be baptized. But his baptism, he said, I I only baptize you with water. There's one who comes after me that baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, the Holy Spirit, of course, we all think that we have the Holy Spirit, right? You know, I mean, you go to church, you sing, and you get this good feeling, and you say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe. Maybe it's not. I mean, obviously, the Holy Spirit should give you a good feeling, but maybe it gives you a feeling of fire. You remember when it talks about uh love in your enemy? When you love your enemy, it's like hot coals upon his head. Well, that sounds like fire. (laughs) So, maybe, maybe this opinion that the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you're not really accepting of the truth, it will be like fire. See, because the Holy Spirit will be like fire to those who don't want to receive it. And in truth, I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is a tremendous power in dealing with the enemy. And when I look out in the news today, in the world today, I see a lot of enemies of truth. A lot of enemies of Christ. And some of them say they believe in Christ. But we'll have to talk about that more when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're talking about John the Baptist and his baptism and his gospel of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness after you repent. And like I said, these words repent, you have all kinds of different definitions, but I never really got into the definition of repent in the first part of the show. Now, I'm just going to mention because this is going out live, eventually this will be a part of a series that will go out on our podcast, but by the time it gets out on our podcast, uh, it will uh it will already be passed next weekend. And next weekend we have the Burning Bush Festival. So I'm just gonna mention here the Burning Bush Festival. And uh it's it's not according to the lunar calendar. <laughs> it's 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 because of the fact that uh it's more convenient for a lot of people who are a part of the network, to get here because it's a holiday. And evidently, it's going to be a little bit longer holiday for a lot of people because because of the coronavirus. And a lot of people are shutting down work. They're not going to work on the 7th. So we're going to have uh, this year, uh, this holiday, it will include a three-day weekend, which is Monday, oh, uh which is the 6th. But we're going to start on the 3rd, 4th, 5th. And six, and then, for those people not going to work, <laughs> on the seventh to protest, protest the coronavirus shutdowns and lockdowns and forced vaccinations and all those crazy things going on in the world, a lot of people are going to call in sick on the seventh. And, uh, I guess truckers are going to do something in the United States around the, you know, later in the month. You just have to look that up. I don't know. I'm not a trucker, so I don't, I don't remember the date. But a lot of people are protesting this and they're trying to find remedies. I was actually talking to somebody uh, from another part of Oregon who came out to visit, and uh, several of them were saying, Well, what are we going to do with this, this totalitarianism that they see creeping up through, I don't know, if it's creeping up, it seems to be in a gallop almost, uh, through, you know, first mass mandates and shutdowns and shutting down businesses and and if you look at what's going on in Australia, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's starting to happen also in Canada, uh, where they're saying, if you don't get the vaccination, which is your choice, you can't get on our buses, you can't get on our trains, you can't get on our airplanes, you can't. Yeah, and, and they're telling their employers to fire you. And I, I know, uh, personally, I know a half a dozen people. That are being fired. And some of them know hundreds of people that are being fired. We're talking about half of the Department of Transportation, I guess the road workers anyway, which is probably different than the pencil pushers in the back room. <laughs> Their psychology. They're, they're going to quit. They're going to be fired. And that's what some strategies are, is make them fire you. And then there's already starting, getting ready to start a class action suit, but the chaos will have already taken place by all the time this, but they, they see this as a, you know, if these vaccine passports become law, you can't travel anywhere unless you have their ID vaccine passport. Then you're, you know, you're in a world of hurt. And already people have gone down and took the vaccine because they say, well, I have to take care of my family. And some of those people who went down to take the vaccine because they thought, well, I have to take care of my family. I need to do this, even though they didn't want to do it, but they were coerced into do it because they were being threatened with losing their job, including nurses that I know of, I mean, in our county, uh, they're in the hospital now. Sick with blood clots and lung problems, and and it's not coronavirus. They were perfectly healthy before they took the shot, and then the the side effects continued to grow and grow, and now they're hospitalized and and th- in danger of death. And some have died. You know, my I've I've told this to people. My daughter sells real estate up in the Portland area. And she told me a couple of weeks ago that she had already sold four homes of people who died from the vaccination. She, she never told me about anybody who died from COVID that she had to sell their home. They had to sell their home because the, the homeowner died. But from the vaccination, she had already had four people who died from the vaccination. I mean, they took the vaccination. <laughs> they were healthy. They were sick that night. They were sicker the next day and they were dead within uh, 72 hours. And, but the vaccination, vaccinations are safe and you, the stories are everywhere, but you don't hear them because the media blocking them out and shutting them out. But I'm hearing them in person to people. And some people get sicker than others, some don't seem to get sick at all. So, what is going on? Well, I've done a study on it. Uh, and, and the way I do the study is I read scientific papers coming out. And because of my notoriety and because of my connections, and because we have a network, you know, there was a doc- doctor in Eastern Oregon who came across this study that just came out like it was like two days old. And, uh, but it was, you know, a published study. One from Oxford, another one from Japan, and the one from Japan had just like hundreds of scientists working on this. And it was extremely detailed. We link to it at Preparing You. You can go to Preparing You. We have lots of information about lots of things at Preparing You because we're preparing you for the truth. So that when you receive the truth, the Holy Spirit, it won't be like hot coals, you won't be an enemy of the truth because you've already been prepared for the truth <laughs> so and uh but anyway, so I put up an article vaccinated, and the fact that I've mentioned the word vaccinated, you know I mean, I'm quoting and, and I link to these studies by scientists, and you can go read them, like the one study. Uh, never talks about, uh, ADE, which is the antibody, uh, dependent enhancement, which is a serious threat, uh, with mRNA vaccinations. According to the guy who invented mRNA, he didn't actually invent it, he discovered it, but he in, invented some ways of using it, uh, put it down in his scientific papers. The guy's, uh, pretty much a genius. But other people, I mean, he's listed as the discoverer of mRNA, but now Wikipedia wants to not mention him because he's telling everybody they shouldn't take the shots, the the injections, because the scientific evidence he's looking at, he says, suggests antibody-dependent enhancement taking place amongst the vaccinated. Now, like I said, the study never mentions antibody-dependent uh, enhancement, but it mentions antibodies, and it mentions dependence, and it mentions enhancement about 90 times <laughs> so, in you know a dozen pages or so. I mean the study is actually longer if you look at the spreadsheets and the diagrams and everything. But uh, its its conclusions is the reason you're seeing like they saw in Israel the dropping of immunity uh, that they think was imparted by the vaccinations from 95% down to 30-some percent. And this is what they're reporting. It's in the news. You look at all the articles. And the reason they believe that is uh, because of what's going on in the body of those people that have been vaccinated. And this article Goes into that in in scientific detail. Talking about the proteins and the different things. And, and I looked at another test in Oxford that was actually started way back. I have problems with the test. And I, I mention it right off in the article on vaccinated. Because of the fact that it has been misused. It's not a peer-reviewed study. It may never pass peer review because of a lot of things. And I won't go into it. I may go into it in the afternoon show. But I'm willing to read what they have to say and look at what they have to say and make comparisons with what other scientists have to say. And so basically the article was written quoting these scientists, showing you where I'm quoting, something a lot of fact checkers don't really do. And so you can go read them yourself and find out whether or not it's true. But basically the conclusion you would get from this and the conclusion other doctors are making, which I quote also, in this other scientists well respected high credentialed scientists, not respected now because of their opinions because their opinion goes against the the standard narrative of the media, and so they're trying to cancel Dr. Robert Malone, and they're trying to cancel Dr. McCullough and other doctors because they don't want to have the conversation. See that's what I was talking about at the beginning, the kingdom of God, we want to have the conversation. We want to find out what the truth is. I don't want you just to listen to what I have to say. That's why I'm quoting all these other sources when I do it, including when I'm writing about the Bible. Because you want to, because you might miss something. I might miss something. And somebody else doesn't miss it. It could be a little child that might not miss it and say, well, why don't you just do this? And you go like, whoa, that's intelligent. That is sharp. That is right. Because you recognize that the little child showed you what you didn't see, and and that's happened in my life, and I know it can happen in anybody. The the foolish of individual could impart wisdom to you just out of nowhere, kind of like in the movie Matrix, where you know almost anybody could be used by the uh, agents. And suddenly, this source of information, well, the Holy Spirit, course, that was evil, supposedly the agents were evil, but the Holy Spirit can work through all kinds of people and tell you things. But you have to have the Holy Spirit in you to recognize, is that true? And you don't arrive at the truth by logic. That's not how you find out what the truth is, by logic. That's vanity, if you think so. But, if you find the truth of what is going on in the world, the whole truth is logical because we live in a cause and effect universe. But you can't find it by logic because you're not God. You need that Holy Spirit guiding you. And so what brings the Holy Spirit? And of course, when Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. When the apostles were baptized under fire, uh, and that may not be the fire that is referenced uh, by the baptism of fire, but the fact is is that when the shepherd was struck, the apostles ran in every different direction. And Peter betrayed Jesus because he didn't really have the courage that you need to face the truth to face the enemy. He, he was a tough guy, and he was always outspoken, but it wasn't the courage of God in him. And when he saw that he didn't really have the courage of God, he had to do some soul searching. And then then you see him on Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit descends upon him, he's going out and pointing at the guys who just crucified Christ and calling them out. There were other changes that you see in Peter on that day. If you, if you go into a detailed study of everything that we know about Peter from the scripture, I, I see a suggestion that Peter's a bit of a chauvinist. Kind of put down women. Didn't really think that women should be in the mix. That, you know, they were just to keep quiet. Not the way that Paul meant. That's another whole story. We won't go into that right now. We'll never get back to on track. But when Peter comes out of uh, the room with 120 in the upper room that uh, came into one accord and received this Holy Spirit, enlightenment, he comes out, he's he's saying, And, and sisters! He's, he's accepting that the fact is, is that a woman is the vessel of the Holy Spirit too. That was a considerable change in the pride factor, the ego factor of Peter that was blocking him and blocking, you know, the spiritual constipation of Peter that kept him from having the courage of the Holy Spirit and in the days ahead i think everybody's going to need a little bit more of the courage of the holy spirit so you have to approach these studies with humility and so you know actually i saw this post on on facebook and it's by nih national institute of health in the united states and uh and they have these two little block things that it's yeah i had to go look it up to find out where it was at but uh uh, I'll, I'll go into it more in the afternoon program because we want to get back to the topic of the day. But he says, do the current vaccines work against variants? And the NIH gives the answer, yes, current vaccines still protect you from getting seriously ill or spreading today's variants. Now, part of that may be true. And, uh, but evidently there's another study that comes out that Part of that is not true. But they go on, so this continues to be a true statement, and I couldn't find the date when they made this statement because that's, that's critical. But it says, that may change as the virus changes. More questions answered at covid19community.nih.gov. Well, the studies, if you go to preparing you and look up, you know, vaccinated, you can go through the studies and see what the incarnation and how much of that is true because we see in the study that I quote first that a lot of media has quoted this study. Again, it's not a peer-reviewed study, but they come out with a narrative that the vaccinated are making us all safer and the unvaccinated are putting us in danger. And just on the surface of that, if the vaccinations work, why are you worried about people not getting the vaccination that somehow or other they put you in jeopardy? As if the variants are coming from the unvaccinated because they get sick with the COVID and, you know, and, and I guess they produce these variants. Well, the science is just the opposite. It's the vaccinated... Who are producing the variants? Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, he admits that he insists upon that. But the study from Japan says the same thing. The evidence in the study from Oxford is saying the same thing. This study that uh, I'm talking about, that uh, they use to suggest that the vaccinated are the ones who are creating the problem. I mean, the unvaccinated are the ones that are creating the problem. That's not what the study says. The, they admit in the study that they are testing the unvaccinated with uh, uh, 37 cycles and the vaccinated with only 27 cycles. Now, they say they're doing this for calibration purposes, but of course, that's going to give you data that because they had a different purpose for that test. And the whole... The whole test is all bogus, in my opinion, because the way in which it was con- conducted. It, it won't pass. I cannot imagine it would pass peer-reviewed. And I, I touch on that, but if you, you can go read the study and find for yourself. I mean, how did they get the samples? Who was taking them? Well, the people were taking them. Well, how did the people take them? The people who were being tested, how did they take them, including children as young as five years of age? Well, they took them at home and how did they know well they saw a video on how to take the samples and they put them in supposedly sterile jars and put it in their refrigerator and left it in their refrigerator until somebody came along and picked it up so it was in next to the bratwursts and the uh and and the cheese <laughs> and so it's completely it's not scientific cuz you don't know and and they Whether they were testing vaccinated or unvaccinated, they just depended upon the word of the people to tell them. They had no records or evidence of that. Uh, A lot of people went down and, you know, I I talked to people that are, you know, working in hospitals and talked to people that are working with hospitals and everything. When they at first were giving out the vaccine, you didn't have to have ID or anything. Well, now you've had the vaccine but there's no record of you having the vaccine. So how do you get the vaccine passport? They're just going to take your word for it? I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, the reason I'm going off on this tangent is several reasons. Is because so many things are happening in your day-to-day life that are real thousands upon thousands of people have lost their livelihood and now are getting fired and trans moving across the country we just had somebody moving from Oregon because they lost their job because they didn't want to get the vaccination and they're moving I guess they're going to Texas other people are going to Florida and uh, you know what what's going to come of this mass migration and unemployment and shortages and all these things and And craziness in Australia, is it going to get like Australia, like Canada here in America? Are they going to keep you from going from state to state if you don't have the vaccine passport? There is a heavy, heavy push to get everybody vaccinated before the flu season really gets started. If you read the studies, you might be able to conclude that there's something going on here. Because the study says that as the immunity is dropping, it's doing so because the mutations are delta virus is not coming from the unvaccinated population, but the vaccinated population. And they say that they need a booster. But then they ask the question, how can we make a booster that the same process might not go on? At the same time, they're coming out with studies that showing that the vaccinated are often carrying as much as 250 times the viral load as the unvaccinated. So that statement of the NIH that says that you can't spread it, you know, it says seriously ill or spreading today's variants is is false. That part is false because the studies that I but I don't have a date when they st- stated this but then they opt out with uh, that may change well it has changed because the studies are showing that what's happening is that it's partially working and it, of course the the vaccines aren't working it's your body working that's why people are getting tired and exhausted and and having all kinds of energy problems is because your body's working to fight off viruses that it's recognizing but it's also dealing with that which was injected in you. And so you don't get as sick sometimes. Sometimes you get really sick, but that's vaccinosis, it's not from COVID. But you you're still carrying, you're still generating, you're just not getting as sick. So you're walking around with maybe two hundred times the viral load and going out and and spreading the disease. Because you're carrying so much of a viral load. Now we have countries like Iceland and their top immunologists and countries like Denmark and their legislatures even saying there's no way we'll get to herd immunity except through natural means. And they're they're pulling off all their uh, coronavirus regulations, you know, their lockdown kind of regulations. Because they're seeing that, that these vaccines, are whatever immunity they may have appeared to provide at the beginning is plummeting. Israel is seeing this. Now Israel is out there getting the boosters. But the study just showed that how can we make these boosters? They couldn't come up with an answer. They aren't going to do the same thing. So what may be taking place... And you can go study the science and we give you the link so you can go study it and come to your own opinion or other, hopefully other doctors are studying this and most doctors are completely unaware of these studies. Are, is this massive a a vaccination of the public, of the military, everybody in the military is supposed to get this so they'll get a dishonorable discharge. Personally, I think you should take the dishonorable discharge, but. I'll let the Holy Spirit lead you. But are you creating a super bug that will now affect children? Before the coronavirus wasn't hardly affecting children, they got immune really quick. They hardly showed symptoms. But now will you create a new variant that is going to cause all kinds of problems? And conflict and war within yourselves? Well, we'll see. And are you creating a mass section of the population that are going to be real super spreaders with hundreds of times more viral load? I don't know. But we're going to go back on topic for the next uh hour. So you got to come back to find out what the solution to all this craziness is. <laughs> we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, back to John the Baptist. Uh, because John the Baptist actually was giving you the answer to what to do about the coronavirus, the shutdown, the totalitarian-type despotism we see creeping into countries all over the world that may bring huge plague may bring famine because of food shortages may bring wars and rumors of wars you know that was that's a big thing in the news is afghanistan and american troops are just sickened and from the ones that i've been in contact with or indirectly or directly through people who know them that uh they've been sickened by what's taking place the betrayal and of course you can read in the news that that uh, numerous uh uh countries have talked about not doing any more joint military uh enterprises with the united states as long as the present regime is in power and of course the present regime is in power because both parties are corrupt Filled with corruption. Now, I'm not saying everybody in both parties. There's probably good men out there. But they're certainly not in the majority. They're not standing up for what's right. They haven't been doing that for years now. And uh, so some people still think that Trump is their salvation. And I I know that Christ is my salvation. I know Trump isn't. But John the Baptist was heralding the coming of Christ. Baptized Christ. John the Baptist had the solution. Unfortunately, most Christians, home churchers, uh, Orthodox churches, Catholics, uh, uh, some people won't think all these people are Christians, but I mean, they're they're proclaiming Christ. They're saying they're following Christ. All these denominations, 40,000 different denominations are saying they're following Christ. But they're not even doing what John the Baptist said. So what's the deal? What's it, what's that all about? (laughs) So anyway, we need to take a harder look at uh, what is going on in, in the world and are we actually doing what John the Baptist said? And, you know, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything. You know, and and that's what we should be doing. And Jesus basically said the same thing and said that we needed to uh, seek these things and everything else would work itself out. Everything else would be provided. So when there's famine, that's not a problem. When there's disease, that's not a problem. Because we've actually, in truth have been seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But in truth, we have not been. I mean, we thought we were, but we've had blind guides. That's a serious problem. Uh, there's a great deception in the world today to keep us from knowing the truth. And we knew that was coming. We were warned about that. But uh, unfortunately, we have accepted the 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 words and the ways of the blind guides and so i come along and they say well you know you guys have need of repentance you're not doing what christ said to do what's the deal why haven't you been doing what christ said to do so anyway let's take a look at what john the baptist said that we should do and I, actually i I didn't start a new page i i I thought of a particular word that was given me just before I went on the air, I mean, like minutes before I went on the air, and I thought, well, yeah, that's a critical word I need to look at that and so I went and looked at it and found out I had already started a page <laughs> on this particular word, but I didn't get far. I didn't get finished and uh and so I added a great deal more to it, and I just added more to it during the break and uh I will hopefully find the time to add more to it, but uh, uh the laborers are few. And sometimes the laborers just stop laboring and wander off. And sometimes the laborers aren't very good at laboring. <laughs> and uh, if you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the very first thing that you need to incorporate into your journey is that you care about other people as much as you care about yourself. Because the whole thing with Christ is He came so that the whole world might be saved. He was not a slacker. He showed up. He did what He said He was going to do. He took the risks. He stood for other people and in the ways of other people. And we'll see. Actually, just taking this word out of nowhere that God gave me this morning, Uh we can see all kinds of things where this word shows up. I haven't told you what word it is yet. <laughs> so, anyway, if you go read Proverbs 23, and I'm going to start at the beginning so that we we put it into context. Because I've already done a study on Proverbs 23. And, you know, I have a sidebar of comments and all that kind of stuff and go through all the words. But we're not going to go through the whole thing, but we'll read a lot of it. When thou sittest to eat... With a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be men given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. And that's the word, meat. (laughs) That's the word, uh what is the deal with meat why is that important um uh, and and who else uses that word meat and that's of course in proverbs 23 3 and what is that word and 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 how many times does it show up in the bible and how often is it translated meat well a lot of times it's uh well it is translated savory meat it's uh, translated dainty a couple of times. And then there are lots of variations of that word. They add letters and take letters away. And basically that word is mem, see it? An, I think it is, mem. So it's a mem at the beginning and a mem at the end. So what is mem? Flow. So somehow or other this word meat has something to do with flow. So it's not just meat, because meat doesn't flow. And there are other words that are translated into meat many times. But uh, there's also a Greek word that is translated into meat. And it's also translated into victuals, which uh, victuals is a very interesting word. and If you read our article on Nimrod, that word will come up, but it'll be the Old Testament word, victuals. But uh, in the Greek, it's broma. Which doesn't just mean meat. Because there are other Greek words that actually mean more like meat. And and when we do a study on it, we'll go into it. But that's not the the crux of what we're talking about now. Because I'm going to go through several other little verses where this word shows up. But the first place that the word meat shows up, or at least meats in, is, uh, is this place in Proverbs. And he's talking about the deceitful dainties of rulers. Men who exercise authority, one over the other. And this is right in line with what Jesus said about you seeing seen the rulers of the Gentiles, the princes of the Gentiles, who exercise authority one over the other. And then uh, Luke, he talks about them calling themselves benefactors because they're serving you dainties. They're serving you these meats, which are deceitful meats. They're giving you benefits. But they're rulers and they exercise authority so that they will have these meats to give you. And Jesus says, we're not to be that way. We're not to eat of those things offered to their temples, their idols, their government buildings. Because their temples were government buildings. Because they exercise authority in order to fill your plate. It's it's not it's it's not the eating the food itself that is the problem. It's the fact that you look to men who exercise authority who take away from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. Now, I said I had conversations with lots of people this week. I had some people come all the way over from Western Oregon, and and uh, two of them were they were talking about some of these problems that we're seeing in the news, and they're big Trump supporters. They want to get Trump back in because they, they still think Trump will fix things. And uh, I personally think that's kind of a strong delusion. I mean, you can want it. Yeah, it's a free country. Uh, but uh, I don't really think it's the solution. But they actually thought, well, what if we got the military to form a coup to put Trump back into power? And they said, do you think that would work? And they, you know, they specifically were talking to me, Greg, do you think that would work? And I specifically said to them, no. <laughs> that isn't the solution. And then, you know, brings me right away to a conversation that I have many times that, that uh, everybody wants to go back to normal because they don't like the new normal. But you have to, in a cause and effect universe, we have to realize that the new normal was brought to you by the old normal. (laughs) And the old normal was it was okay to sit down and eat with rulers and be a man of appetite. But Proverbs, thousands of years ago, told you, no, that's not such a good idea. And if you have an appetite for those benefits at the expense of your neighbor... Two men who exercise authority, one over the other. You need to put a knife to your throat. In other words, you know, curb your appetite. Because that's not what you want. That is not a good idea. And uh, so, what is a good idea? And, and did anybody else cooperate on this kind of idea of eating you know, things offered by men who exercise authority, by those rulers who are going to offer you benefits. And, of course, we know that that uh Plutarch said the greatest destroyers of liberty are those who spread amongst the people, gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And he said that right around the time of Christ. But nobody knows that because nobody knows history. <laughs> they don't study that. But we can go back 150 years before Christ, you know, which would be 150 years before John the Baptist. And Polybius was saying the masses continue with an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by way of the rule of force and violence. Well, in other words, they force the contributions of the people. And they, people have an appetite for benefits. He's, he's saying this right out, Polybius. 2,150 some years ago, philebius is saying the masses continue with an appetite for benefits even though he probably read proverbs the guy was well read and and he was from corinth originally and the septuagint you know has the old testament in the greek so he could have read proverbs easily So he says the masses continue with an appetite for benefits in the habit of receiving them by way of a rule of force and violence. So they have to break that habit. They have to end that habit. They have to think differently. That it's not okay to desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor through men who exercise force and violence and force the contributions of your neighbor so that you can have free stuff. He goes on to say the people having grown accustomed to feed at the expense of others and to depend for their livelihood on the property of others, which Americans have done. Now, for ever since at least FDR, LBJ, we've seen what that's done to the black community, destroyed it, devastated it. And that's what polybius says is going to happen. And he said it thousands of years ago, as well as that we've been going through the minor prophets and they're saying the same thing. And, and we go through Alexis Tocqueville who talks about legal charity. But th- this is what I'm describing. Legal charity is charity by the force and power of government. They force the contributions to the people and provide you with benefits. And of course, we've gone all, all the way back to Lady Godiva. Saint Lady Godiva, by the way, (laughs) who never took her clothes off and rode on a horse, and you go read the foreword about the cover of the Free Church Report and find out what really happened there. She's saying, "We, we can't use taxation to take care of the poor. And that's what Alexis Tocqueville said. And that's what Polybius said. And that's what Plutarch said. And that's what John the Baptist said. And that's what Jesus said. And that's what Paul said. But you say you believe in Jesus and you guys are doing that. And you think Trump is your salvation or the military coup will be your salvation. I don't think so. So anyway, Polybius says this, people having grown accustomed to feed at the expense of others and depend for their livelihood on the property of others, they institute the rule of force and violence. So the people in Australia that, and the people in Canada, and the people in the United States, are shaking their fists because those rulers that they have had an appetite for their benefits are now getting too pushy. And they want to stop them. And they want to get the military involved in stopping them. <laughs> well, uh, I think there's great guys in the military, but the military, well, actually, the military is not even running the operation in Afghanistan now. The State Department has taken over. Because, of course, you've elected the commander-in-chief who was or is now the sitting commander-in-chief is Biden, who's the president of the United States. And you say, well, was, the election was stolen and all this stuff. Well, maybe it certainly appears that there was some definite fraud going on. I don't know. We have video of people taking ballots they just counted and pulling them from around the back of the machine and feeding them into the front of the machine. <laughs> but that is just the evidence of the problem. That's not the problem. If you don't, if you want to go back to the old normal, you're just going to end right up back where you're at. you got to go back to Christ for the solution. You got to go back to John the Baptist for the solution. Polybius doesn't give us the solution. He's just telling you what where the problem is going to lead you. That if 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 it comes normal that you have an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the way of rule and force and violence, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your benefits so that you become accustomed to feed at the expense of your neighbor. And depend for your livelihood on the property of your neighbor. You have instituted the rule of violence. You certainly didn't institute the rule of love thy neighbor. You've instituted the rule of covet thy neighbor's goods. Till you deal with that, there is no salvation. Because you haven't repented yet. There's no point in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness until you repent. The order of the instructions is to repent. Then seek. And seek what? The kingdom of God. a government of God. The benefits that come from the government of God are the righteous mammon. The benefits that come from the governments of the world by the way of force and violence are the unrighteous mammon. They are the unrighteous rewards, or rewards of unrighteousness. Look that up. Or, uh, wages of unrighteousness. You can look that up because it's the same thing. And it talks about that in the New Testament. And what happens when you institute this rule of violence where you take away from your neighbor at the force, by the force of the rulers of your, whatever government you've created? And now, uniting their forces, massacre, banish, and plunder. He's talking about those rulers. They're going to massacre. No, They're not just doing it. I mean, how many people died because of the shutdown? How many people? I know people personally. I saw them raised up, committed suicide during the shutdown. Because they were home playing video games every day on unemployment, not working, no purpose in life. They committed suicide. I have first-hand reports of people who go and clean up the bodies that suicides during the early days, way back in February, not this year, uh, last year, suicides were going up hundreds of percent. They kept it quiet because they didn't want... Because if you report it, then you'll have more people jumping off bridges. The shutdown caused that. It took away the purpose of people's lives, the work. And, and depression set in. And so the the they massacre by forcing people to shut down. Now, if your ministers... You know, I saw... uh TV show, just a video of a TV show that somebody let me look at and uh, and somebody had just lost a family member and they this is in England so they had a I can put you in touch with counseling services because the government provides counseling services not the church anymore church doesn't supply welfare anymore that's all the government It's the the benefits that come to you from those men who exercise authority, from the rulers. So they also are going to counsel you on your loss and whatever emotional problems you have. Because you're not the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. You're the government of force and violence. That's the problem. Till you deal with that, till you admit that, till you think differently and say, we should not be taking care of the welfare of our people through force and violence and men who exercise authority and the rulers of the world because they serve you deceitful meats. And now, uniting their forces, they massacre, banish, and plunder. They banish, you can't go to work. You can't cross the state lines. You you can't immigrate to America. Unless you come to, Canadians have to come over the border. (laughs) Their borders are shut down. They can't drive over the border. They, so one guy, he, he rented a helicopter so he could fly over the border, had somebody tow his, shipped his car over on a truck and then met at this other airport and then they could get in their car. Now they, they had custom people meeting them. But just coming across the border with your car, they weren't going to allow that. So he found a way around it. And people are going to find their way around a lot of things. But you're going to need a network. And Christ knew that. So he commanded that the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But... You've been a long time at this uniting your forces, becoming accustomed to feeding at the expense of others, and now that you see them uniting their force and they massacre, banish, and plunder. But what is really the problem is that you have degenerated again into perfect savages. That's where Polybius takes that. And find, once more, a master and a monarch. So, you know, in talking to a group of people just yesterday Uh, I don't know if I can find the quote I haven't memorized it entirely but uh, it's a quote uh, by Alexis Tocqueville uh, where he is talking about despotism and you've heard me probably on other programs reading that quote and I think it's it's very uh uh, important and significant, uh, and I'm not gonna find it. But anyway, uh, he talks about despotism and uh, the rulers of despotism. They don't care if you don't like them. And this is really important. Uh, the, they don't care if you rebel. Yeah, You will fall right into their hands like the, the guys supposedly the insurrection of January 6th. They fell into their hands. They were setting them up. It was a trap like the one guy as he was walking in the door. They opened up the doors. The guards opened up the doors and let these people in. And they're walking past the guards and the guards are standing back out of the way and the people are just walking in and they say, should we go in here? And one guy says, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a trap. It was. The Holy Spirit was telling them it was a trap. He still went in. And you see the people, you know, videos, they all taking videos and they're walking around and they're posing with the guards, you know. This is the insurrection. It's not an insurrection. The media shows you people pushing on barricades and violent people and everything. And we know some of those violent people were planted. But there were violent people that were, you know, pro-Trumpers. I mean, these people talking to me... We're saying, hey, uh, should we try to get the military to reinstate Trump because the election was stolen? And the answer is no. What you should do is repent. Stop eating the dainties of the king. Stop, you know, eating at the table of the king. Stop eating things sacrificed to idols because that's what Paul's talking about. Well in order to do that you're you're gonna need help because things things are already showing up, shortages and and you can't work anywhere. These people are being kicked out of hospitals because they won't get the vaccination. I would like to start a hospital and hire them. But the hospital might do things a lot different. We won't be giving out the vaccine in the hospital. <laughs> but then they're they're talking about the state, just talking about taking away their ability to practice medicine. Because the license now comes from the state. In the old days, the license didn't come from the state. It, it came from private institutions. And then the state said, well, let's regulate that license. Well, in, like business license, you, you may lose your business license. So people are demanding masks because uh, they can come in here and find us and take away our business license. If we don't pay the fine. Well, the business license used to be handed out by the counties or the cities originally by cities. So maybe we should go back to that. We shouldn't be be building a city on a hill. Well, let's talk more about the solution when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So in Luke 3.11 we see he answereth and say unto them, he that hath two coats. Let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. So this is instructions concerning seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness as imparted to us in the Holy Scriptures by people like John the Baptist. He's telling us that this is the way we should be doing it. That we should be doing it through charity. And, but most Christians, most of the meat, most of the benefits that they get is not through charity. It's through those men who exercise authority one over the other. These are the many that Christ says will say that they come in his name, but are not coming in his name. They're not doing what he said. They're not doing what John the Baptist said. They're certainly, they don't have the charity. They have some charity, but they don't have the charity that uh, that Paul was dealing with or the love that Christ was talking about. Paul and Barnabas were bringing aid. You know, why why don't we have a way of bringing aid to Australia for those people who will not be able to get, go into the store? And, and will be hungry and suffer. Why well, actually, we have some people in Australia and they're working on that. <laughs> but we could send them support, but we're not going to get them for the modern Christian. The modern Christian is going to tell you, well, You better go down to the government welfare office and get your benefits. Except you can't get your benefits at the government welfare office unless you have your vaccine passport. Hasn't quite come to that yet, but if you have any foresight, just, you know, lean to the left a little bit and look down the road and see where they're going. You're not going to be able to get, they're, they're talking about it, governments are talking about it, decreasing your benefits if you don't get the vaccination. Your entitlements. You're not so entitled anymore. And a lot of people want to find out some way of exempting. And I was talking to somebody who's dealing with this, uh, right in the midst of government, uh, talking to people like the governor of the state and everything. And, uh, also I know they follow the Holy Spirit sometimes. And they think religious exemption is a trap. I mean, just like the people who are saying, well, I don't want to take this vaccine an uh, unimpro- uh, un- unapproved vaccine. I don't want to take an unapproved vaccine. Presto bingo. Approved. Now, not legally, but they're saying it's approved. And now, the fact is, is they're going to be putting more and more pressure on you, just like the mark of the beast. You know, you're not going to get your ID. You're not going to be able to get on the bus. You're not going to be able to get your driver's license. You're not going to be able to travel because that's what they'll do too. They're not only not going to let you get On uh, the airplanes. They're not going to let you travel. You're not going to cross state lines. That's already happening in other countries. Uh, Unless you have their ID. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't have their ID. And I haven't had their ID for a long time. Which is another whole whole story. But uh, we've been living with it for a long time. People that uh, are are with me in this know that yeah this is this is typical this is the way it works so anyway we're reading from Luke 3 I think that was verse 3 no it wasn't verse 3 what was it Luke 3 I have to go back there and look at it again forgot what oh verse 11 yeah um you know, this is the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Now, Tiberius Caesar was the second Caesar. The first Caesar was Augustus. Caesar was not the first Caesar. He was a Caesar because his name was Caesar, but Caesar, with Tiberius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Caesar is an office. They took the name of Caesar and they turned it into an office. And the, so it's the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar and Pontius Pilate, being the governor of Judea. And Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee. Not, not in Jerusalem. And his brother Philip, Tetrarch in, uh, Ituria. And, uh, in the region of Trecanitis. <laughs> it goes on and on. But, uh, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest. Now, how can you have two people being the high priest? That's an interesting thing. Well, Caiaphas was actually the son in law of Annas, and Annas had already used up all his sons to be the high priest because he, he couldn't go in there and be the high priest. He was an extremely wealthy man, and he was controlling things. He was, was a corrupt government, but he couldn't slip his. They didn't want his sons anymore being the high priest, so he got his son in law to do it. And all this plays out later, and it's very fascinating, Caiaphas, and where he went and where he is today. <laughs> so anyway, but if we skip down uh, to, uh, say, verse 5, uh, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the tough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It doesn't say all flesh shall be saved. It says they'll see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. So, you know, some people think I'm too hard on people. That sounds pretty hard. Uh, That's John the Baptist. Old generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of the stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now, also, the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Remember, men standing like trees? These are symbols. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. John, what are you saying? You're talking about salvation by works. No, he's not. He's saying that fruits, trees that do not bear fruit will be hewn down. He's not saying that they gave enough fruit, but they didn't give any fruit. And that we're not going to, we're going to make room for trees that do make fruit, provide fruit. So are you providing fruit? Are you providing fruit for a daily ministration? Are you providing the for the needy of your society in pure religion? Or is your religion spotted by the world? And the people asked him saying, What shall we do then? So that's what people were asking me. What shall we do? Because I said the military solution is not the solution. Trump is not the solution. Rebellion, even, even lawsuits are not the solution. Although I'm not against you... Doing that, I am kinda of against you trying to overthrow the existing government with military troops. I mean, things may become violent eventually, and I'm not saying that you can't, you know, arm and protect yourself, but what's the plan? Because we're gonna get hewn down. And, and God uses the governments of the world to hew down those who will not bear fruit and will not follow the way. And that's what we're seeing. Because the old normal was not the way of Christ. So you don't want to get back to the old normal. You want to get back to the ways of Christ. And the ways of Christ is that you take care of one another through charity, not through covetous practices, not through rulers who exercise authority one over the other. And you cannot do that unless you create a network. I mean, you could try to do it go out and get some homestead in Alaska up in the wilderness somewhere and try that. But that is not the solution that Christ offered. He said, make the people sit down tens, hundreds, and thousands and start sharing. What shall we do then, the people ask? He answereth and saith unto them. So now John the Baptist is going to spell out what it means to seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness. He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none; and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. And then, then the publicans came to him and asked the question. But let's let's go back before we get into the publicans. At that time, a synagogue was ten families. That's traditionally the, what it had been for thousands of years. A synagogue was ten families those families picked a minister from what represented itself as a pool of ministers and they were either uh levites or servants of levites and we've talked about that way in the past we show how servants uh, that the levites and we cover this i think in the free church report the levites were allowed to have men who they authorized to be ministers to do some of the workload they were either commissioned ministers or licensed ministers. They were given permission to be, to do some of the work of the Levites because maybe there wasn't enough Levites to do all the work. And we lay this all out in the Free Church Report and explain what, what, what the reasoning behind Moses was, which is the same reasoning as behind Christ. Because the Kingdom of God is reasonable. The universe is reasonable. We don't get to it by reason. We get to it by knowing the truth of God and what God is saying, what God is trying to impart to us, what John the Baptist is trying to impart to us. So he's saying that, you know, they know that if you get the baptism of John the Baptist, you're not supposed to go to the Pharisees anymore for your benefits. You're certainly not supposed to be coveting your neighbor's goods through the authoritarian Corbin of the Pharisees. You remember the Corbin of the Pharisees, the sacrifice of the Pharisees, Corbin means sacrifice, was making the word of God to none effect. Why? Because Herod had set up a system whereby you got baptized into the kingdom of Herod. Did you know that? They baptized people into the kingdom of Herod. When you signed up for the social welfare system of Herod, they baptize you. That's what they were doing in the laver in the temple. It's just full of corruption. And then Gabi and Molokai tax collectors would come by and tax you. Count the they would tax ten percent of everything you grew in your garden, in your fields, your animals, your fishes that you caught. Had to go to them. They sold them and they made the money. They didn't do the work. They just got it for free. That's the way it was working. And it was working. I mean, they, they, they made so much money, they were able to build a golden temple. The The high priests were living in more lush accommodations than the princes and kings of Judea. We know that because we've excavated those the quarters of the high priests. And they were extremely lavish, extremely expensive. This is why all your politicians are becoming millionaires. Kate Brown, who isn't even the legal governor of Oregon, she's, last I looked, she had over $20 million in a slush fund, her personal uh, political slush fund for running for office. But all that's going to come down. Don't worry about it. But what you need to worry about is you. How are you seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Are you doing it through charity? Are you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and practicing pure religion, taking care of one another, all the social welfare of your community through charity? Or you still think that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government? Oh, you generation of vipers. And this is where we get to verse 12. Then came also publicans to be baptized So the publicans, you know, tax collectors, coming to get baptized. That's kind of what a publican is. He's a government worker. And said unto him, Master, talking to John the Baptist, what shall we do? And he said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed you. So these are tax collectors. Don't take any more than what you have a right to take. And this is a, this is in conformity with Christ who says, you know, if you owe the tax, pay the tax. And, uh, you know, that's, that's to be expected. But you're supposed to be also seeking this kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then He said also, And soldiers, likewise, demanded Him, saying, And what shall we do? And He said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. So, when we're talking about soldiers, that would include policemen. You know, and do violence to no man, does that mean he has to get rid of his gun? No, Violence represents the idea of unjustly doing something. If a guy is, stole a purse and he's running down the street with this old lady's purse that he knocked down, you can run after him and tackle him and throw him to the ground. If he's got a gun threatening to kill people, extorting money out of them or whatever, he's going to shoot people, you can shoot him. That's not violence. I mean, we call it violence, but that's a question of what the words mean. We use force and violence then you say but no that's not force and violence and if you shoot him and kill him have you killed him well you also supposedly save somebody else's life and we're not talking about that guard in the capitol building who shot a 5 foot 2 woman who was surrounded by armed guards and uh, had no weapon and he says and he says this right out loud that she posed a threat she didn't pose a threat and the media just lets them get by with that. How did she pose a threat? But it's the, the irrational behaviors, because these people sit in darkness. They can't even see the truth in the light. What I want you to do is move towards the light. And John the Baptist is telling you how to do it. He, when he was baptizing people, they were organize, if he was in a scene, they were organizing in the tens, hundreds and thousands. To do what? To share their coat and share their meat. To take care of the needy of society in a way that strengthens them. Now some couldn't get out of the system. They were locked in. They had taken oaths and they were bound in. Soldiers, policemen. Now some can quit. Soldiers generally cannot quit. (laughs) But if they try to force you to have a vaccine you think is murdering you. You can take a dishonorable discharge. Give me a call. We'll see what we can do for you in the network. But join the network. The network needs to build itself up so that it can help these people who take these stands. But the, that's not enough just to take the stand. You also have to persevere. You have to strive. Because this repentance things. This whole idea of thinking differently. It's thinking differently in a lot of ways. You have to be there for one another. You have to be reliable to one another. How are you going to develop trust if we never know what you're going to do from minute to minute because you're erratic, uncommunicative? That's no good. You have to repent of that too. So he says, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Be content with your wages. Don't take bribes. But eventually you'll be cast out. You've got to remember that the Israelites were cast out of Egypt. It was the Levites who were called out. The apostles were called out to be ministers. And restrictions were put on them. And we've talked about that in a lot of different places. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh and latcheth of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Did John know that would be Jesus? Well, not based on what we see John saying and doing later. He might have suspected it. But later on, he had to send messengers to Jesus and ask if he was the one. When John the Baptist said, this is the one that come after me, he thought Jesus. You got to remember, at that time, John the Baptist was the head of that household. The fathers were gone. His father was gone. Jesus' father was gone. And John the Baptist was older than Jesus. So he's the head of the household. So Jesus is in the synagogue of John the Baptist because he's in the family of John the Baptist. And he says, this is the one to come after me. Take my place. And John the Baptist literally was the, the rightful high priest at that time, which is why they mentioned Caiaphas and Annas because they were not the rightful high priest. There was no rightful high priest in the temple since the death of John the Baptist's father. Another long story, we're not going to get off on that that tangent, but he says uh, he shall baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and it's the Holy Ghost that will tell you what to do. I'm just telling you if you think that the a military coup is the answer or insurrection by violence is the answer, no." you need to go back to the old, old normal, which is when the church was still taking care of all the social welfare of the people through faith, hope, and charity. The communities of America were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. We're not doing that anymore. You go read Alexis Tocqueville, you see how the people gathered together and they not only built schools and hospitals, not with tax dollars, but with free will contributions. They also built prisons with free will contributions. They built insane asylums, so to speak, you know, asylums that took in the the, the crazy people that you now see in all these tents along the highways and roads of L.A. Alexis wrote, Here's the quote. Despotism, suspicious by its very nature, views the separation of men as the best guarantee of its own permanence and usually does all it can to keep them in isolation. The shutdown is just the extreme of that. But he goes on to say, no defect of the human heart suits it better than egoism. You think you already know. But you're actually vipers. Workers of iniquity. You can repent of that. There's still time. He goes on to say, A tyrant is relaxed enough to forgive his subjects for failing to love him, provided they do not love one another. Wow. (laughs) That is amazing. Absolutely amazing, he said that, and of course, this is why Christ is giving you the solution. Love one another. John the Baptist is giving you the solution. Love one another, take care of one another. same word love, same word charity. How do you do that practically? How do you do that where you can find out where the money's going you send to the Red Cross? You don't know where it's being used. I think the head of the Red Cross now makes like four hundred or six hundred thousand dollars a year. Why in the world is he getting paid that much? What's he doing? that's crazy. That's insane. I'm sure a lot of Red Cross people do good, but, you know, that's not the way it should be. And I could go into uh, showing you how we went down this road, but we don't want to do that uh, because we don't have enough time left in the show. But a couple of the other quotes, you know, one thing that uh, Alexis talks about, he talks about a tutelary despotism. Tutelary, what is tutelary? If you read our Col no man father, because Christ is talking about that, we explain what tutelary means. Above this race of men stands an immense and tutelary power, which takes upon itself alone to secure the gratification, the benefits, this is translated from French, and to watch over their fate. That power is absolute, minute, regular, provident, and mild. But he goes on to say that it robs you of your manhood and your children and brings you back into the bondage of Egypt, which is where you're at now. But you're just going to have to join us on the show this afternoon to get the rest of the story. Or come to the Burning Bush Festival. And maybe we'll have more. God bless.